What's up, everyone? This is the first installment of a new series called The Hurry Up here on the Ride In NFL DFS podcast. This series is going to consist of one-on-one interviews with fantasy personalities from all walks of the industry, whether it's DFS, Redraft, Dynasty, Best Ball, you name it. I'm going to try and cover all the bases. The podcast is going to touch on each guest's set of skills as well as their advice to help listeners perfect their craft in fantasy football. We will also get to know the guest a bit better in the second half of the show, discussing things like food, hobbies, and life in general. This first episode was a great way to kick off the series as I talked to Justin Freeman of Numberball. I mentioned in the podcast that it's going to be a quick 15-minute interview, but once we got rolling, it ended up being a 40-minute deep dive. I hope you enjoy this new series. Now let's get into the show. Welcome, everybody, to the Ride In NFL DFS podcast. I hope everybody is quarantined up at home, feeling safe, and, uh, you know, getting much-needed rest and enjoying some family time that they weren't expecting to enjoy. With our new series here, The Hurry Up, a quick 15-minute or so interview with some NFL DFS and regular old fantasy guys from around the industry. We are starting it off with Justin Freeman of Numberball, as I just said. What's up, Justin? Man, you've been killing the game this offseason. I'm jealous of all the content you've been putting out. It's been good stuff, man. I know. I, I felt like I wasn't planning on it, but um, it's something that I always do like towards the summer. But with all this time cooped up in the basement, I figured it was a, a good time <laughs> to get it out there, especially with not too much uh, you know, NBA or golf content being released. Well, yes, yeah, good stuff. Like as as we're still, it's still somewhat fresh in our minds, right? This past season, like it, it won't be much longer before it's like so far in the rear view. It's hard to even remember some of these huge weeks. Like it, it's easy to remember some of the spike weeks that you're referencing in, in your podcast. So it's it's good to like look back. And what's what's funny is I'm you're harping on how chalky it had been uh, last year. And that's certainly something I noticed. And unfortunately I didn't get the benefit from, cause I, I kind of have a little bit more of a contrarian mindset. So I've got to like reevaluate process heading into this year. Yeah, absolutely. If, if you aren't sure about what Justin is referencing, I have about five or six podcasts that came out in the last week or so that, um, you know, deal with millionaire maker trends and cash line trends and how often the chalk hit last year. And last year was definitely a year in which a ton of players uh, more so than previous years who were heavily owned um, kind of met their salary best salary based expectations. Um, But let's get into it, Justin. First of all, let's start off. What kind of content do you produce, you know, redraft dynasty DFS best ball and where can people find it? Yeah, I got started doing redraft content for sure. And that had always been my focus, but now I'm DFS oriented and, you know, people who are interested in learning a little bit more about what we do can find us at Numberball. It's numberball.com. Follow us on Twitter at numberballdfs. I'm at Justin Freeman 18 on Twitter. If you want some uh, terrible polls and bad food takes. (laughs) Uh, So where did you start? I know you didn't start at Numberball. Where did you kind of get off the ground running? 
Yeah, I got started at number five. Uh, big fan of the number uh, number fantasy companies. <laughs> but yeah, JJ Zacharyson at number five uh, picked me up when I first was getting going. I uh, got my myself started there. And then, um, you know, Jeff Collins found me for, for number ball for this past season. So that's where I'll plan on being again uh, here in 2020. Awesome. So what does your typical fantasy season look like in terms of of leagues and what style leagues you're in and how much money you allot for DFS. Like what's that breakdown look like? Yeah, I've, um, I've always been one to not take on too many um, season long leagues at a time. I, I don't really do any dynasty. I'm, I'm really just all season long in DFS. And um, I, I feel like I can never focus enough when I have too many teams. I try to like limit to, to three season long teams where I have like a home league, a high stakes league and one fun league, like the fishbowl or something like that. Um, but then DFS, you know, I'm trying to allocate a certain bankroll and I'll, you know, I'll differ my bankroll from week to week, depending on uh, confidence level on a slate or, um, you know, if I think it sets up well for MME run or, um, you know, a little bit more of a conservative approach. If I, if I have like a single lineup that I really, really, really like, um, I'll just play a little bit smaller and, and stay down, um, you know, and, and, you know, lower amounts and, you know, just kind of hit it right there. And as we're talking, Pat, Jonathan Bales just hit his prop for 2,400 push-ups and just repped out like an extra 20 on top. Oh, that's awesome because <laughs> I was rooting for Bales and I was hoping that he was going to crank out a few extra just in case people questioned, like went back for a while on the tape and picked out a few that they didn't think he hit right. So that's good for him. I'm glad uh, <laughs> he's a good dude. So that's definitely good that uh, he went over there. The things we do on quarantine, man, this is crazy. <laughs> Absolutely. So let's get into a little bit of NFL offseason talk. Which free agent move that a, that a team made do you think is going to be best for a player's fantasy value this season? So, yeah, there was actually one that really came to mind and wasn't actually even for that player. It was for Jordan Howard going to Miami and what that means for Miles Sanders. Um, I, I think that's a big signal boost for Miles Sanders and what the coaching staff believes he can do. Um, you know, what, what you've lacked in Miles Sanders in the past is, you know, a true um, a role definition uh, where he can be used in all the high equity areas of the field. And Jordan Howard had sort of sucked that away from him uh, this past year. And so getting him out of the picture, huge, huge, huge boost to Miles Sanders. You know, maybe if it's just him and Boston Scott, you got to like what that means for Sanders. Absolutely. And I have to, before the next season starts, I have to kind of shake off some bias of Miles Sanders. Number one, I live in Pennsylvania, so he's a Pennsylvania kid. He is uh, obviously a Penn State kid and now an Eagles player. And also, not only that, I, I'm, I'm not a fan of any of those teams. Not that I, uh, you know, I'm more of like a, I like players, not teams kind of guy. But mm-hmm. um, in about week 11 or 12, I know that you were following along. Uh, I qualified for the King of the Beach in like week eight or nine. And then my King of the Beach team had uh, Miles Sanders on it. And it was a week where he was kind of chalky. Him and who was it? Him and somebody else. uh, Him and another low price running back were chalky. And I had them both in my lineup. Mm -hmm. And he um, had about six or seven fantasy points in the first half. And I was right on the cut line um, to uh, advance to Miami. And he did not accrue a single fantasy point in the last in like the last quarter and a half and it just crushed me and he was wide open too Troy Aikman was begging Carson Wentz on the broadcast to check down to him and I pretty much I'm pretty sure I've harped on that 
um, for the last six months or so. Yeah, I, I think I can spout your entire team off from, <laughs> from memory. Uh, but no, I remember that stretch. It was like three oh, or four goodness. straight weeks while, where Miles Sanders was like bargain bin priced and getting reasonable usage. And I, how could you not play him? I thought it was a smart move. I know. Um, so how about uh, in terms of fantasy drafts, when you head into your fantasy drafts, uh, even maybe best ball drafts now, who are you looking at as uh, an undervalued player? Maybe even like a bounce back, someone that's going to be uh, mid to late round that you think can, you know, maybe be a, a top five, top 10 performer. Yeah. So I try to stay away from ADPs until I get my initial run of projections done. And I typically don't do that until after the NFL draft. So I'm missing out on best ball season right now. But if I had to guess, I'd say that the market probably hasn't reacted as strongly to Adam Thielen uh, being without Stefan Diggs. Uh, Thielen's a dude I definitely want to get a piece of in Minnesota as, you know, the, the only reason to not like Thielen in the past was, you know, he sort of alternated weeks with Diggs. It was, really not all that unlike uh, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin down in Tampa Bay last year. Uh, but now you're telling me I get Thielen for a full season without digs. Sign me up. I think he should be like a, you know, a mid second rounder at worst. Absolutely. I think. And the, the funny thing is Thielen is, you know, as you said, injured all last season. So uh, a lot of his value, especially with digs gone now is just prime. How about uh, on the opposite side, first or second rounder uh, projected that you think may may bust out? Yeah, well, it's not so much that I think that they could bust, but I think both of the quarterbacks, Lamar and Mahomes, are going, I think, around the 2-3 turn. I looked yeah. it up just before we started talking. Um, and that, to me, is still too early. Like The fact that you could get either of them makes the fact that like taking – <laughs> taking the other one is is not necessarily a great thing to do um obviously we know that like if you get a high-end outperforming quarterback it can win you a league but the problem is you don't know that it's going to be Lamar and you don't know that it's going to be Mahomes uh if you had to bet on it yeah they'd probably be a betting favorite but um you know just so much research points towards you know a late round quarterback philosophy um you don't have to play chicken at the position but the fact that you can get replaceability in double digit rounds just makes the fact of like paying up for one at the end of the second like not a really wise thing to do with you know a pretty finite number of draft picks right and it's funny how people don't catch on to the fact that you know Lamar was a late round pick last year right so there's always going to be those uh those quarterbacks that you can snag uh fairly late that can uh you know hit as a, a top three and or Mahomes top five was the year before exactly so. <laughs> yeah exactly uh let's transition a little bit here into dfs so if someone you know you're at a bar and someone asks you oh you're a dfs writer for for number ball uh you went to duke that's pretty awesome um, what advice could you give me uh, I play DraftKings. I play FanDuel. I'm kind of like, you know, I deposit, you know, fifty, a hundred dollars uh, every week or, or every so often, and I kind of just always lose it all. What's one thing that you would tell someone just in casual conversation? Uh, one tip that could help their ROI? Yeah, to me, it's all about what is your goal? Like, what what do you really want? And like, is that thing? And figure out whether that thing is a reasonable goal or not. Um, you know, obviously, if, if your goal is I'd like to put $20 in the million maker and turn it into a million, like, okay, yeah, that's, that is a goal. It's uh, if you understand the probability of that happening, 
Um, it's you, you'll understand it's not a very wise goal, but uh, sure, that could be your goal. But, um, you know, realistically, what do you want to accomplish over the course of the season? Do you want to turn a thousand dollar bankroll into eleven hundred dollars? Uh, because if so, I could probably, um, you know, put you on contest to get you there. We could focus on cash strategy if you'd like to play. Uh, take that thousand dollars and play a hundred dollars a week uh, in GPPs, like, and maybe try to take down a five-figure payroll. Like, I think that's a great strategy as well. So, my thought would be, is, you know, don't try to do everything. Don't try to be great at every place. Uh, instead, pick a focus and and try to be more specific in your goals. Like, I mean, for for me this year, um, I really did have a goal of trying to. Um, you know, get into a live event qualifier. And I, I didn't hit that goal, um, but that was my goal. And I had tried to allocate my bankroll accordingly throughout the year. Um, but I think I quickly realized I didn't have a deep enough role to play um, in, in contests where I stood a reasonable chance. I was essentially playing lottery ticket style uh, which meant that I was playing a very high likelihood to lose type of game. Um, and so that that was sort of lesson learned for me this year. And, and probably I'll have um, you know, a slightly different approach going into 2020. And on a week to week basis, does your cash and GPP uh, allotment change? Are you a, would you say you're more of a cash guy? Would you say you're more of a GPP guy? Definitely more of a GPP guy. Um, I actually, I don't think I played any cash at all in, in 2019. Um, so I played exclusively tournaments. And so I had um, significantly more losing weeks than winning weeks, but the winning weeks, um, you know, obviously make up for it when, when they hit. So it, you just have to be willing to deal with, you know, posting a losing record, but a winning bankroll. And that's, that's a concept that most people are really uncomfortable with. You're talking to one to somebody who's really uncomfortable with that. Like I'm yeah. a ninety percent cash, ten percent, like usually just um three max and and five max, maybe once in a while if I feel like I have uh, you know when I when I'll play MME and I'll go one fifty is um when I feel like I have a really good stack to build around and I'll I'll mm -hmm. put them in like fifty or, or seventy five of the of the MMEs. Um but normally I'm just just a, a three to five uh, lineup type guy. And I admire the fact that you have uh, the cojones to, you know, it, it's really, it really is. It, it takes a lot uh, of nerve to um, be able to, you know, see the bankroll keep going down, down, down. Uh, Cause oftentimes there are stretches of losing weeks. Are you more of a, a DraftKings or a FanDuel guy? You know, I, I would say I'm more of a DraftKings guy, but FanDuel has certainly been much kinder to me. So I don't know, maybe I need to think about switching allegiance, but I've always sort of liked the the user interface on DraftKings better. Yeah, that's definitely, I think that's what always drew me um, to DraftKings. Now, I, I, I started out on Draft Street, and mm -hmm. then obviously DraftKings acquired Draft Street and uh, pretty much this uh, kept everything. Uh, the same, but yeah, I, I like FanDuel. I dabble a little bit on FanDuel a lot of times when they have um, different promotions or like those single contest entry series. I get in those, but I mainly stick to DraftKings. Yeah, I've hit large prizes on FanDuel and on Fantasy Draft, and I've never hit a big one on DraftKings, yet somehow they get all my money. Yeah, it's about the journey, right? It's not about the end result. You, it's the, the process of getting there. It's like yeah. the girl. It's like the girl you can't get. You, she's the one that. Uh, that you're that you're dying to try to to get to exactly um so 
let's be honest here. Now, if you guys aren't aware, Justin really dove in headfirst to the XFL DFS content when uh, the season started. And it was awesome stuff on Number Ball. Much of it was they actually offered up for free, which was awesome. Um, on a scale of 1 to 10, be honest, how fun did you have, uh, you know, watching and playing XFL DFS? Uh, scale of 1 to 10, it was a 69, man. It was, <laughs> <laughs> it was also it – was, it was absolutely the most fun I've had playing DFS because it – I didn't feel like the information was commoditized in any way like – you know, you could roll out of bed during NFL season, click on any number of websites and get really, really good information about who to play in NFL DFS. Like the, where people have just talked about this ad nauseum, I guess, that the edge is evaporating in DFS, yada, yada, yada. But, you know, here it was going to truly be a matter of forming your own opinion, doing more work than other people and, you know, really getting to know each and every player and you know, come to wrestle with all the depth charts. And so there was an edge to working hard. So I worked hard and it, it worked out pretty well. Yeah. I mean, if, if I remember correctly, you had a pretty solid uh, GPP hit in, in XFL. Yeah. Um, the prize pools were really nice for as long as we had them. Yeah. And um, yeah, I was able to, to cash in on a, a nice 10 K hit in, I think it was week four. Um, and yeah, it was a, it was on Fanduel. It was a two gamer, and so everybody craps on the Fanduel Fanduel two gamer. I will not. <laughs> uh, but I actually didn't even have the best quarterback on the slate. I had Josh Johnson. I had this whole L.A. New York, um, you know, double stack with with one running back, and I was sitting really really pretty after um, after the first game, and I just needed like nothing to happen in, in game two. And essentially that's exactly what happened. It was Seattle, St. Louis. It was the game where Brandon Silvers was replaced by, uh, BJ Daniels mm -hmm. at quarterback for Seattle. So all the Silvers lineups were dead, um, for St. Louis, you know, Tomo didn't do uh, too much, but he did find, um, DeMornay Pearsonell, who I did have. Um, so I was able to survive, um, despite not having the best quarterback on the slate. So I'm pretty pumped about that. Yeah. I mean, that's what a lot of times that's how it works. You know, you don't need to have um, uh, the best quarterback or, you know, sometimes even the, the top running back. It's just the way that everything fits together that you mm -hmm. need to, uh, you know, the, the way that salary shakes out, you just need to have the optimal lineup, not uh, all the optimal players. So how have you been getting your 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 gambling fix now that, uh, you know, everything has happened, we're quarantined, all sports are kind of shut down for the time being? What have you been doing? Well, you mean other than sweating push-up props? Yeah, 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 that's, yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's really about it. I've got a group of buddies. We've we've gotten into like the, a running challenge. Like we were all on uh, Matt My Run and we're seeing who can crank out the most miles in the month of April. And I'm pretty big dude i like to get out there and uh pound the pavement actually I'm more of a basketball player that's how i like to get my cardio in but now that we're social distancing i can't can't get my hoops in that's i mean i i i can't lie so i did some research on you and i know that you you used you definitely used to be a big guy we uh we looked up the uh, the old Duke University bio, and we'll get into that a little bit later when we get into the you know a little bit of the personal and the hobbies type stuff. Um, but that's definitely interesting um, for me. Well, I, I've, it's it's been rough. I've been doing a little virtual blackjack, but you know that's uh, it's a little wishy washy. You know, I never never uh, trust the the virtual blackjack machines. 
Well, it always feels like you're getting screwed in virtual blackjack. I know, I know. They it hits to like they they just pull like seven card twenty ones like out of nowhere <laughs> on every. It's been, but it actually hasn't been too bad. I'm off as of right now, so maybe I should just quit. You absolutely should. Uh, anybody who's played online blackjack has probably been down that rabbit hole, and it's it gets dark. Like you can crank out so many hands an hour. I know that, that's the problem. Like, you're just going to run into every bad beat possible very absolutely. quickly. All right, so last let's let's wrap up the fantasy aspect of this show. And if you couldn't do any research in whatever DFS it was, NFL, NBA, XFL, PGA, whatever it is you're playing. If you couldn't, if someone said you can't do any more research, you have to follow the content uh, of another uh, person, another quote unquote tout, who would it be? Well, I, I'm going to sound like a shill here, but um, <laughs> honestly, Jeff Collins, what he does for us at Number Ball is, is really tremendous. He's opened my eyes up uh, towards things related to game theory that I had never considered before. So from a strategic perspective, I think Jeff plays with as much of an edge as anybody out there. Um, especially we're talking about tournament DFS style. Yeah. He crushes um, tournaments. Yeah. Yeah. That's his bread and butter, which is why I've played more tournaments this past year was, uh, felt like I was, you know, getting it in good with Jeff. And then, um, you know, JJ Zacharyson's late round podcast. I think that's almost like the, the Bible of, <laughs> of, of, of fantasy football throughout the course of the season. It's fantastic. It's 15 to 20 minutes. Um, obviously you're familiar with that. Um, and, and he does a great job with that. And there's a show called the ride in. I don't know if you've heard of it. it it's not bad, man. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. I mean, it's, it's 15 minutes like JJ's, but it's like some guy that just, you know, rambles on for 15 minutes. JJ like has his, he like reads from the pro the teleprompter, I feel like, and you know, he's got it. He's got everything down. Mine's just kind of, I just like try to recall all the stuff that I've written for the last three days. It's pretty impressive. And to be quite honest, you can't hear like the turn signal flicking in JJ's podcast, yeah. which is a huge <laughs> negative. Yeah. I mean, I, I want to, I'm, I'm taking the, the listeners on a ride. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. So let's transition a little bit more into, you know, to general sports. Let's talk about um, your rooting interests who are, and I know you're a Carolina guy. Uh, obviously you're a dookie. Who are your your favorite, you know, NFL, NBA, MLB uh, type type teams? Yeah, I wish I had like a more well-rounded, um, you know, sports fan lineage, but I, I'm really just a huge college uh, sports fan as well as NFL fan. Like I, I don't follow NBA, MLB, NHL a ton. Um, I pull for the Hurricanes in the NHL, um, right. you know, which isn't terribly often but i'm a huge duke fan so i stand for duke really hard um and and i'm a redskins fan uh for better or worse that's unfortunate yeah. <laughs> typically worse yeah so i haven't had much uh to lift my head up about uh when it comes to watching the redskins my, i think my, my duke football team could probably take care of them at this point but i've had a lot of uh big wins obviously being a duke hoops fan that's been, yeah yeah uh, been absolutely good over the years so uh, who would you say your favorite athletes of all time are Okay, so you mentioned that was a, a Duke football guy. Right. I, um, Jameson my, Crowder? No. <laughs> hey, it's, that's not a bad one. Um, but my last year at Duke was Coach Cutcliffe, David Cutcliffe's first year at Duke. Yeah. So, um, and he's sort of – he's like our all-everything guy there now. He's sort of flipped the program around, and we're not mm -hmm. like – I mean, knocking it out of the park, but Duke is a respectable football team now. And uh, so I've gotten big into Peyton Manning because uh, – 
Peyton Manning was like Coach Cut's uh, claim to fame. He, right. was the, yeah. he was the Manning brother groomer. And um, so a big Peyton Manning fan. He's the GOAT. Uh, suck at Tom Brady. But uh, Bobby Labonte, Stone Cold Steve Austin, those are my two other favorites. Oh, nice. We're going uh, – I'm guessing <laughs> that's NASCAR and yeah. professional wrestling. Awesome. That's it, man. How about uh, your most memorable live sporting event? Now, I know since you've been uh, in the – I, I want to say, from what I from what I looked up, you're you graduated in nine, two thousand nine. Yep. Okay. So, nine. so if my math serves me correct, because I'm a massive JJ Reddick fan, your first year was JJ Reddick's last. Is that correct? Yep. Exactly. JJ uh, uh, Reddick, Sheldon Williams, uh, that group. So did you uh, so, have like did you have any like crazy? Were you in the were you in Cameron Indoor for some of those games? Yes, I got to see two Duke UNC games, um, and unfortunately, my tenure, like I'm the exact same age as Tyler Hansborough, which probably okay. means not much to anyone else other than he won the Duke UNC game in Durham all four years that he was a Tar Heel. So wow. I, I did not get to experience a single home victory against UNC in my entire four years at Duke. So uh, anyway, I'm a big Hansborough hater for that. Yeah. Reason. He's the kind of he's the kind of kid that you love him if he's on your team and Absolutely. you hate him if you're on, if he, if he's on the other team. Kind of like Reddick too, but I was I was always a big yeah. JJ Reddick fan. Um, so Duke, uh, I have a few questions about Duke. You kind of alluded to it then and now. What is is Cutcliffe been the change that that Duke needed? Because I know like they were basically a punch. You guys were basically a punching bag even when you were there, but. Over the last few years, uh, you know, the win totals are creeping up. The recruits, you know, starting to get a few, uh, you know, two, three stars at least. So what has been that change? Yeah, so like uh, I'd say the typical Duke recruit now is a three-star with a four and a two sprinkled in on occasion. But like they're almost always all threes. Like it's it's kind of funny, honestly. But yeah, the difference between then and now, like I, I had three years with – Coach Ted Roof, and obviously a lot of respect for him still. Um, but, you know, when Coach Cutcliffe came in, it was sort of night and day difference. Like he just commanded respect from the moment he walked in and none of us really knew who he was or anything like that. But he just spoke with a different demeanor, carried himself in a different way, he had a strong, strong attention to detail. Like he's one of those guys, like you don't put your hand on the line, you put your hand behind the line. And just like, I think, the focus on some of those intangible sorts of things are really, you know, missed by many in the analytics community, like, cause you can't mm-hmm. quantify that mm-hmm. sort of thing, but it's, it's huge. And it goes a long ways to uh, determining team atmosphere. And I think that's one thing I try to take with us in, in sort of a DFS perspective is, you know, sometimes we get caught up on, you know, expected fantasy points or, you know, this guy has not been performing, but he really should because all of his peripheral numbers point to it. But, you know, sometimes you just got to think, well, maybe he's just not in the best situation to succeed. Maybe it's not all noise. Maybe there is something going on there. So I try to be open at least to that fact. So that's the best way I can at least bridge together what I saw at Duke and, and sort of what I'm doing now with DFS. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I, I mean, I can't speak to the college level, but I just know like in high school we had, I played football in high school, we had two different coaches and it was amazing. The, you know, the transformation uh, to the, the, the second coach that was his, our first coach's successor. I mean, some guys just didn't even want to play some of the best kids on the team, you know, some of them quit, some of them just like 
went through the motions our, our, our junior year. It was those things like that, like you say, you just can't quantify. And sometimes it's a little bit of both, right? It's, it's quantity, it's qualitative and it's quantitative. And I think, uh, you know, when you see someone pressing hard for one or the other, um, you know, film or tape, uh, numbers, guys, it, you just, you want to, you want to just set them straight. It's a little bit of both. I definitely think uh, you're on to something there. So a little bit about you personally, Art. We, we, we got it out of the way you went to Duke. What's it like to have a Halloween birthday? Is that something that you would change if you could? You can't change the Halloween birthday. The Halloween birthday is just the best because, um, you know, it's it's like a guaranteed party every year. Like people are going to be out. They, they dress up for your birthday. Um, you know, it's obviously awesome when you're a kid. It's still awesome when you're an adult. Like it's Halloween is the, the holiday that evolves no matter, you know, what you you know, what stage of life you're in. Like it, there's always a good reason to, to party hard for Halloween. Absolutely. All right. So this this last portion of the podcast, as I mentioned uh, on the intro, it's kind of going to be not lightning speed, but we're going to go through it fairly fast. um, And you're going to get to know a lot about Justin as a person. So if there was one hobby, Justin, that you'd be devastated if you could never do again, what would it be? Oh, um. I'm sorry, man. Um, That's all right. I just got kind of. Sorry. Um, yeah, one hobby I, I'd be devastated if I couldn't do it again. Hoops, man. I'm, obviously, I mentioned that social distance is killing my hoop game. Um, I love it. It's certainly the easiest way to get my cardio in. And so not being able to get that in is terrible. Is that the main, is that the main way you stay fit? is just basketball. Yeah, it's, it, it fits my like um my interest level and like, it, it keep, yeah. keeps me in it so for sure. You pull up from from half court like JJ or you you underneath I, banging or no, what? Dude, I, I I should absolutely be banging underneath but I'm pulling up from 3 all day. That's <laughs> <laughs> that's where I live out there on the wing. Uh so what's the last book that you've read? That'd be Hillbilly Elegy by J.D. Vance. Um, really good read about sort of the poor, wor- poor white working class in the Appalachian region. Awesome. TV show that you could watch on repeat forever. Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee. Oh, no, love it. Yeah, love it. What movie have you seen the most amount of times? Major League. I could recite every line of that movie. <laughs> It's funny you say that. I just saw one of those like Facebook meme things where it was like uh, rank these movies or pick the three movies that you could only uh, that you'd have to watch forever. And it was all baseball movies. Mm-hmm. And Major League is not in my top three. I went Sandlot. I went uh, Sandlot. What else did I? Angels in the Outfield. I I actually like the uh, I like the I figured like I liked all the baseball movies starring kids, which is actually kind of funny. What kind of music do you listen to? I'm like mostly, a, yeah, I'm like mostly into podcasts guy? and audiobooks okay, and stuff right. now, but I'm definitely a bubblegum pop guy, like Taylor Swift, Justin Timberlake, yes. all the all the worst stuff. <laughs> yeah, me too. Uh, like, and I'm I'm a mood guy too. Like, if I'm at the gym or if I'm walking or if I'm like laying in bed trying to fall asleep, it's all it's all kind of different. Um, but yeah, I love the I love the new stuff. I'm not ashamed to uh, throw on some Taylor Swift. That's for sure. It's top uh, what, forty for a reason. Yeah. What's the uh, your best the best vacation you've ever been on? Where is it? Where's it been? 
Yeah, that was definitely my honeymoon. We did uh, sort of a round trip to Italy, France, Monaco, Spain, um, and Whoa, did that over awesome. like a 10 day period. Uh, won money at the casino in Monte Carlo, like James Bond. So <laughs> I, I was killing it that trip. That's unbelievable. And so you're a Carolina guy, as we already established. What's your best, your favorite Carolina beach? Uh, there's a lot of really good beaches in North Carolina, um, but I'd say I'm partial to the Crystal Coast, which covers like Emerald Isle, Atlantic Beach, some of those. It's a lot more like laid back than the Outer Banks. Yeah, I, I usually stick to the to the more northern beaches on the East Coast, but I have been to, I know it's in South Carolina, but I have been to uh, Myrtle Beach on a, on a golf trip, and I thought that was pretty awesome. Uh, Myrtle Beach, is, it's kind of like a touristy trap, you know, um, yeah. not like your Corolla type, uh, no, right. nothing to, you know, there's the house on a beach and everybody just sits in the sand all week. Um, there's more kind of stuff to do touristy, uh, but I kind of like that. Uh, that's that's kind of my thing rather than, you know, just buy someone's mansion on the beach and, and nobody goes anywhere, but right. that's me. So if I'm in North Carolina, I'm coming to your door and you're taking me to a barbecue spot. Where is it? All right. So I'm an Eastern North Carolina guy. This is an important distinction when it comes to barbecue. Um, we're, we're the vinegar based group over here, which is clearly the best. Okay. Big, Bees, big vinegar fan. Yep. Big vinegar. There fan. you go. Good. Um, big vinegar is always watching bees barbecue. <laughs> it's like an old abandoned gas station type joint where the roof is like falling in. It's like touching the top of your plate. It's falling in so bad, um, but it's, uh, it's awesome. People are lined up out the door every day. They serve people until the food runs out that's that's their business model so there's awesome. zero waste so you have to be in line at 11 to get lunch that's that's the only way it works that's crazy all right now this is going to start a string of you know food and drink questions because i'm always interested in food and drink uh if i came over to your place and i opened the fridge which i would never do because that's ill-mannered but if i did that what's the first thing i would see or what would i see the most of well you've got uh fridge privileges over at my place anytime uh, you, you go in the, the fridge uh roast beef i always uh, <laughs> i had, had a big tweet about this the other day but always pay up for roast beef you got to keep the like prime london broil it's like 13 dollars a pound go get you a pound keep it in the fridge all the time awesome that's not what i i, I was expecting how about if I, <laughs> if I if i went through the pantry or the cabinets what, what am i finding in there what kind of snacks so i'm trying to do better about snacks in the pantry like i i'm trying to get them out of the house but i have two kids so i justify it that way uh currently i'd be trail mix oh awesome nice i uh, see that's my issue like i don't uh, if i didn't have any children i would be like the cleanest eater on the planet but you know a couple goldfish here couple uh whatever you There's know whatever it is there, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so are you a three are you a three meal a day guy or are you like a grazer are you faster what, what's going i'm a on? faster yeah i'm a one meal a day guy awesome. um and that has not been the case over the last two and a half weeks or so since i've been uh working from home exclusively so i'm, I'm trying to get back into that but it's uh, you know, the one meal a day thing works really well if you have like an office job and you can just really structure and regiment your life, which I had. Um, but, you know, teleworking is different. So I'm trying to get slowly back into that. Uh, like a thousand percent agree. Um, as everybody knows, it's listening. I'm a school teacher. And a lot of times, you know, it's not feasible to sit down and have like a 30 minute lunch. Um, a lot of times you're like calling a parent or, you know, you know, doing report card grades or whatever it is. And I've done the same thing. Like I come home, I have a little bit of a snack and then 
um, usually do uh, some type of workout. And then my first meal is dinner uh, post workout. Yeah. And I, I love that. And my body's adjusted to it. I don't even I don't even crave food until like 5pm. And it's exactly. it, it definitely works. Do, are um, so you, you like so about to rip the handle off the refrigerator to like no, bust in and get something at that point? It's at, well, yeah, yeah. Then I'm actually pretty, you know, uh, <laughs> ravenous. But even like even now that I'm home all day long, I really haven't been, um, you know, even though like I'm amongst all the food, my wife's eating, my my daughter's eating. I, I really, I have been a little bit. Like I've kind of been breaking the fast here and there, but I it hasn't been something that. Um, I've yeah. really been too tempted. So are you uh, still eating out uh, during all this? Uh, are you like ordering takeout? Or are you guys mainly in or? Yeah, we're, we're, that... we're trying to do more groceries, honestly. Um, but it, it's funny, like we justify the the takeout now as supporting small business. <laughs> so um, right, exactly. you know, we're, we're, we're trying to support our, our local businesses because they're actually there have been a couple that have closed up and things like it, it's really kind of tough and I, I can't imagine being like a private business owner who relies on foot traffic uh it's obviously got to be terrible right now so um i'd say like we're eating out a couple times a week or something like that yeah i actually saw uh us too you know um supporting local business quote unquote but i actually drove by a place today that said pull over and beep and we'll come out and take your order. There's a big sign in the window. So like people are just, it's, people are dying, you know, they're dying for business, the, the small business, like diner type stuff. Um, what kind of, I, obviously we, we got the barbecue thing down, but what kind of restaurants um, are, are you interested in? What's your favorite takeout type food? Yeah, I'm a big Italian guy, which obviously is also my arch nemesis as sort of like a lifelong yeah. weight battler type person. Right. Uh, but sign me up for a good pizza over anything any day. Oh uh, yes, 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 yes. Um, you have. I, I, I don't know if you've if you've seen my some of my tweets, but uh, a neighboring town to me in Pennsylvania considers themselves the quote unquote pizza capital of the world. There's like oh. literally, there's literally like almost as many pizza places as there is like homes in in the city it's it's like a small it's like a smaller city uh smaller township borough whatever you want to call it um but they have just some of the best pizza um how about your you know wash it down what are you washing it down with uh as far as beer wine liquor yeah so i would kind of uh categorize this into into three areas i'm a blue moon or other fruity beer drinker like I, okay. i'm not ashamed like that that obviously ties in well with my uh musical taste like I, i'm not afraid to <laughs> drink a little bit girlier of a beer or whatever yeah. um if i'm in like a casino or something like that where they're pumping free drinks all the time i'm, I'm a long island guy like like a long island uh in my hand unless it's uh late night early morning i'm switching it up to irish coffee so i'd say those are the big oh, three some berries. uh and then end of the meal what's what's your uh, ice cream flavor or your dessert yeah we're going chocolate chip cookie dough Got, gotta okay. have the cookie dough that's my wife and i can't stand it i can't stand the raw cookie oh. terrible my oh, wife terrible. can't stand the raw cookie. Uh, we 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 each got the wrong spouse, I think. Yeah, I don't know what I don't know <laughs> what's going on with the cookie dough. I can't do it though. All right, guys, that has done. That will do it for this edition of the Ride in NFL DFS podcast. But before we go, we are going to do rapid fire with Justin. We're going to give him some either ors, and uh, then we are going to wrap it up. And I will see you uh, probably tomorrow or the next day with Dan LaManna of uh, Dynasty something or other. I actually don't know yet. So <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I'm not a dynasty guy. And here's the funny thing about Dan. He is a great dude and I've interacted with him on Twitter and we just found out that we're neighbors and our kids go to the same preschool. Is that no out way. of this is that out of this world or what? Like and he's like, Oh wait, you live in and like yeah, and then we, we actually work a block apart too. Awesome guy. But you know, I haven't really I haven't really fumbled upon his stuff because I'm not a dynasty guy. So I, I it's sad that I don't actually know where he works. All right, you ready for these rapid fires? Let's do it. LeBron or Jordan? Uh MJ. Magic or bird? Magic. Pete Rose, Hall of Fame or shame? Hall of Fame. Eli, Hall of Fame or shame? You got to be kidding me, shame. (laughs) (laughs) Dogs or cats? Dogs. Coke or Pepsi? Pepsi. Cake or pie? Cake. Driver or passenger? Got to drive. Car or truck? Truck. Netflix or any other streaming service? Disney Plus. Weights or cardio? Cardio. Big party or small gathering? Small gathering. Okay, these ones might take you a second. Where does Cam land in the offseason? My, my Washington Redskins, of course. Oh, and where does Jameis land in the offseason? Uh, that one actually is really tough. We're running out of landing spots. Uh, I could see them adding another guy to Vegas, potentially. I could see that, too. All right. That will do it for the Ride in NFL DFS podcast. Justin, that was awesome. It went a lot longer than I thought, but it's going to be – uh, a killer first episode that's for sure yeah man bar said hi there you go <laughs> thanks talk to you later see you dude